0: So I asked him, I said, was he an, uh, an evangelist only to Presbyterians? Did he?" And then I, question mark, did he lead people to Presbyterianism, question mark, or to Christ? There's a difference. And he sent back, uh, led many to Christ. I said, yes, yeah. And I bet you there's, there's heritage in every one of our lines. Somebody was born again, somebody praying for the family lineage, glory. And here's the good news that even if there wasn't, God will have somebody on the other side of the world go into the spirit and pray for you and your seed. <laughs> Amen. So, Father, we thank you for the privilege to sow seed into the to the kingdom of God and to the work of God. Bless those tonight, Father, regardless uh, we just thank you for the, the love that's in their hearts. That Lord that the, the finances represent represents faith in Christ, trust in you to provide all our needs and to be a blessing to this house. So bless them abundantly. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Usher. See, this is what it is, to multitask. Welcome to Ministry Buster. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Are, who's got the children tonight? Patty? Oh, G- Patty and Elena? Okay. All right, we'll dismiss the kids now. Tutu, Christopher, you're going to go get learn about Jesus? Go ahead, Bob. Go with Aunt Patty. Atta boy. Go ahead. Go with Aunt Patty. Go ahead, Scooter. Caleb, go ahead. Let's bless them as they go. Let's give them a hand clap. Amen. They need to know that they're supported. Praise God. Now, if you don't have a Bible, come on up and get uh, close to somebody uh, that has a Bible. You could share. I'm going to encourage you. I don't want this to be legalist or a legalism. I was watching a uh, a video on Facebook. It was a minister from. From Africa, I believe it was. And um, he was before a pretty large congregation over here in America, and he basically rebuked them very sweetly and very nicely. He said, I've noticed that uh, many of you have come to church without your Bibles. And he said, and you're trusting your electronics. He said, please don't bring your electronics only. Please bring a paper Bible and a notebook, something you can write down because you that says something to God that your faith is believing that he's gonna give you something personally and you can pen that down. You know? Amen. So I know that Pastor Tim ministered last week on Isaiah chapter sixty, verse one. One to three, probably. And of course that is arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And he was sharing with me because I, I want to know. I want to know what the Lord put on his heart or whoever is filling the pulpit. You know, what what did you sense from the Lord? Because uh, I I believe God's very congruent. <laughs> I believe that there's always a, a synergy. There's a, a networking, a knitting together of a flow. The Lord wants to get things across. And here, here, H-E-R-E, Three weeks now, we've been focusing on the message of hear H E A R. Not only what we hear, how we hear it, why we hear it. Amen. So we're going to start tonight with uh, Matthew 5. Let's go to Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 5. And it's basically going to stay in the theme of being the light of the world, just like we just sang. You're the light of the world. (laughs) Wow. Now, you have to think about that for a minute. Well, let's look at it. But let's – one thing that – and I have to say, Carol taught me a lot by by just living it and just our our sharing together and all that. But whenever she reads the Bible – and this has been pretty much the journey she she somehow had the ability to have that creative imagination to see herself in that setting as she read she was able she just imagined being right there and at times she said it almost seemed like she could smell the dirt you know as she was reading in the bible and i'm thinking uh oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not smelling any dirt. <laughs> but we can actually get so into the word, just as ch- with childlike faith. And imagination isn't something that the devil has. He can he can try to pervert it, but God's given us an imagination. Amen. So let's start with verse. 13 of chapter 5. You are the salt of the earth. Um, And, of course, is following the uh, Beatitudes. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So back then, there's a part of what they did was called the salt covenant in the Jewish tradition and religion. The salt covenant had a specific reason and purpose in their practices, but so salt wasn't a uh, an unfamiliar item to them. But when he directed towards them, "You're the salt of the earth." How many of you ever saw an old Western movie when they're doing the whole thing in the wagon train? And they're going across <laughs> you know, across the nation, across the plains. And they had something that was called the salt barrel. And they could take meat, put it in the salt barrel. And even if the meat was somewhat putrefied because of the weather and the temperature and all that, they could put that putrefied meat in a salt barrel. And the salt would pull the putrefaction out of the meat, make it edible again. That's pretty awesome. I mean, that would be pretty salty food. But, you know, it's not going to hurt you. Amen? But that's the power that salt has. It preserves and it can uh, purify rather than putrefy. So salt is a preservative with the ability to pull the putrefaction out of the contaminated. And that's the example. Just think of contaminated meat going into a salt barrel. Hey, put in one of your own. No, I'm not recommending you do this. (laughs) Yeah, take a piece of steak and leave it out for a week, guys. We're going to find out where your faith is. And when that green bad boy is looking at you and flies on it, take that thing and put it in salt. Hallelujah. (laughs) And then if you are really a woman and man of faith, put that bad boy on the grill. (laughs) All right, let's go on. Let's use that comparison, though. And this is why Jesus is saying to them, you're the salt of the earth. The church, by virtue of our transformation through words and deeds, should have a similar effect on the lost and the backslidden. We should have a similar effect on those around us and the people we contact. Now, we don't have to announce to them, listen, by the way, I just want you to know up front, I'm salt. And part of my job is to pull the putrefaction out of you. <laughs> yeah. Amen. That doesn't usually win people over. <laughs> what are you saying? I'm putrefied? Well, yeah. But uh, I'm glad you're wearing uh, cologne. Or, Amen. No. So, we, you see the parallel. Our lives through our words and deeds... We you know, we should be the, the, the happiest people on the planet, Christians. We should have the greatest joy. And in the world, as the world's going south, you know, and going into greater darkness, his light in us should be shining. And listen, it's going to shine by default brighter. But one of the ways it does is just our entire demeanor. There's a verse in the Bible that says his anointing will cause our face to glisten as with oil. Hallelujah. That's pretty cool. So what does the devil not want you and I to be? He doesn't want you and I to be salt, and he doesn't want I, you and I to be the light of Jesus. So he's going to do anything and everything he can Remember, we looked at Mark 4 where the sower sows the word. He's going to use those different things to try to keep Christ's light from shining through you and I. You can just smile at somebody. You can just smile at them. And the power of God can touch their heart. It could be refreshing to their soul just to smile because we have, you know, Don't be surprised if the Holy Spirit just nudges you to just look. Make eye contact and not be like, don't don't worry about like, oh, they're creepy. You know, not when the Holy Spirit's behind it. There's a love of Christ that's being uh, expressed. Amen. So that's one way light is coming out. So let's go on to verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. Now, he's speaking to a Jewish community here, those who were predestined, if they received Christ, to be the church. He might be speaking to some of his church members, and they don't even know they're going to be church members yet. <laughs> you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lamp stand, and it, the lamp, gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. There used to be a a song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. They used to have kids hold the finger up like it's a candle. I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Satan's not going to blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. I think I was at Satan's not going to blow it out. Yeah. Satan's not going to it out. I'm going (laughs) to. That's what it was. (laughs) I'll tell you what. There was a movie uh, in the past few years called Woodlawn. And it was a story about uh, a high school during the segregation days. Um, There's a lot of tension between white and black and the schools being segregated. And this fella comes in. The football team is a mix of Caucasian and Afro-American. And there's a lot of tension because the team, you know, a team only works if it's a team. (laughs) If there's a lot of hostility and prejudice and all this other stuff in it, it's going to be chaos. Chaos. So it's in the movie, but this young man comes in that's a Christian, and he says, "Uh, could I speak to your team? He asked the coach because he knows that this whole thing. But it was during the Jesus Revolution in the 60s, and he had given his heart to Christ, and he was on fire for God, and he addresses the football team. And he said, just give me five minutes. Well, an hour, over an hour later, the whole team is sitting there and he's just sharing Christ with them. And he takes this place. The coach comes in and says, what's going on here? And he's irate because he's not a believer. And the assistant coach says, well, well, just hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Something's happening here. You know, these guys, they're not even moving. And he gives an altar call. If any of you, And he addressed all the issues that are that they're facing, prejudice, uh, you know, the fighting and uh, the hostility. And if you don't want this or you really want to be a team, it's only one that happened. And only Christ can help make you a family and a team. Whoever would like to accept Jesus, please come up to come up here right now with me and we'll pray. One by one, the entire team comes up to receive Christ and later on in the movie this fella he was said I remember when I was in a huge stadium where Billy Graham was preaching Billy Graham, the Billy Graham had all the lights turned off in the stadium and he had of course this was planned somebody with one candle lit on the opposite end of where he was. And he said, turn around. Tell me what you see. And this, you know. The answer was, I see a light. It's very small, very dim, but I see a light. And then in this movie, everybody began to light their candle. And this the stadium was, you know, the seats. We're being lit up because of the unity and everybody lighting their candle. That's what we look like in darkness. We don't see it that way, but the devil sees it that way. In the midst of great darkness of where we are and of the percentages, like we just heard from California, that Carol seems to remember 10% of the population in New Jersey is Christian. Well, how dark is New Jersey then? How important is it that the church is light, Christ's light in us, shines? Amen? So I'm going to read something to you from the commentary because I want to encourage you and for you to be just edified with some of the way the, the commentary and the commentators write regarding the light of the world. Barnes Commentary says it this way. The light of the world often denotes the sun, S-U-N. The S-U-N renders objects visible. The sun, physical sun, shows their form, their nature, their beauties, and their deformities. That's what Big Red exposes. Amen? Amen. It's not ugly and it's exposing. It just exposes. Amen? The term light is often applied to religious teachers, and it gives some references. It is preeminently applied to Jesus in these places because he is, he is in the moral world what the sun is in the natural world. Jesus' life did all those things with the disciples and the people he walked amongst, as the sun did those things. Jesus' light rendered objects visible. His light revealed their form. His light revealed their nature. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. His light revealed their beauty, and his light reveals our deformities. So his light in us and through us does the same thing. It has a purpose. Amen. It's not to point people's faults out. <laughs> yeah, I every we all knew what our sin was and we knew what our faults were. That wasn't really too hard to, to face up to. Amen? Now, the love of God wants to reveal that there's a better life to live. So the apostles, uh, let me read it this way. The apostles, Christian ministers, and all Christians are lights of the world because they, by their instructions and example, show what God requires they show what is the condition of man and through our lives people will see what is the way of duty peace and happiness the way that leads to heaven hallelujah a city set on a hill remember that phrase in the verse he said you know he when he taught in parables <clears throat> Very often, if he said, you know, if you say to this mountain, there was a mountain there, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. If you see this mulberry bush, and he used the physical things to apply a spiritual law or a spiritual truth. Amen. A city that is set on a hill, and this is the truth of that terrain. Many of the cities of Judea were placed on the summits or sides of mountains and could be seen from afar. Perhaps Jesus pointed to such a city and told his disciples that they were like it. Their actions could not be hid, the eyes of the world were upon them. Wow, they must be seen. And as this was the case, they ought to be holy, harmless, and undefiled. We're God's book, we're God's message. You're, you're familiar with that uh, saying that St. Francis had: preach the gospel, and if you have to use words. St. Francis of Assisi, that was one of his sayings. Preach the gospel, and if you have to use words. In other words, people should see the love of God through our actions, by our lifestyle. Not just, you know, our actions encompasses either goodness to them directly or goodness to someone else, but they see the act of kindness. They see the act of love. The truth of the matter, I I often think, well, recently I've been thinking about some of the words of Jesus to those he was preaching to, and he said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good things to your children, how much more will Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Even evil people do good things for their kids. Amen? So, what is the difference when a Christian's doing good works? There's an anointing. Parents are by default obligated to care for their children. They should not naturally do that. But people who go, out of their way out of their sphere of influence to be a blessing to somebody else that speaks loud amen and it's his light then that's shining go to second corinthians 5:20 this is a an unfamiliar passage in this house I'm kidding. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Amen. What is an ambassador? Anybody know? Representative. Anybody else remember the definition? An ambassador. Highly ranked official. Representative. The definition in the dictionary, an ambassador is the highest ranking official sent from one nation to another, representing the home nation. That's why the whole message on hearing started out there. I didn't plan it that way, but it was like, boom. What do we do with this? How do we hear this? How do we see that truth? That as far as God's concerned, his people are his ambassadors. His people, regardless of their status in life, regardless of where they've come from, when we give our life to Christ, where by default, by cause of the DNA of the new birth, we become instantly an ambassador of the Most High God. Didn't earn it. Amen. Yeah. That was good. Amen. So, he says, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. <coughs> Go to Galatians chapter 3, please. We're talking about light. Amen. Amen. Galatians 3. Starting with verse 26. Galatians 3, starting with verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek in Christ. There is neither slave nor free in Christ there is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus and if you are Christ then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to that promise hallelujah amen now go and keep that keep that going chapter 4 verse 1 Now, I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. But the child, the heir, is under guardians and stewards until the appointed time by the father. Amen? Amen? Heirs have to be matured. we mature on ex- expressing the light and life of God. But our faith needs to be activated everywhere every day and everywhere we go. That if we have that knowledge, I am salt and I am light. Just something that's simple. Simple yet eternal of eternal value. I'm salt and I am light. When I say that to you right now that what comes you know what I perceive with that is Responsibility. One of the most awkward things is to have someone that's 30 years old, but yet has the emotional stability of someone that's 10. Or possibly their learning is impaired. Impaired. And they can have a thirty-year-old body, and yet you have a, like a ten-year-old capability. Y'all, and, amen. We've met some situations like that over the years, and it's tragic. It hurt. I mean, it's you just wish, oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, can we just pray and jumpstart that brain or whatever? And, and but we pray. You do pray, amen. If you have the opportunity, you pray for that, because God can do anything. God can do anything but it's an awkward thing. But here as lights of the world, how do how do how do I engage? How do I begin to express the light and of God? And how do I become salt to my family, to my neighbors? Something's just immediate. Things that can be done in the store. I I remember uh I don't remember when, but in the past year or two, I think On one of the I think it was on a Sunday that I was so impressed of the spirit and exhorted the congregation to pray when you before you go shopping. Ask the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit. Now, you may we have routines, you know, that we all do. But, Lord, is there a better time for me to go shopping? Do you have any divine assignments for me? Because maybe he'll lead you a little different day. Maybe he'll mess with our routine because there is someone that's going to need prayer, a smile, a touch. And what what happens at those moments? The light of God is revealed to them through a complete stranger. See, I love that. I love the fact that God uses strangers to impact my life. Amen. I mean, great. uh, Thank God for the family of God. But, man, when there's a stranger and you don't know them and they communicate Christ to you or there's that connecting, it's like, ah, glory to God. Amen. Now, go to Philippians chapter 2. You can save your place at Galatians, but go to Philippians 2. Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 12. This all has to pertain to do with light and letting the life of God come forth through us, be seen in us and through us, and having that impact of salt. Verse 12, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It is God who works in us both to will his will (laughs) and to do his will and pleasure through us. Amen? I think that's pretty awesome. Both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Hallelujah. Verse 14. Do all things without complaining and disputing. That you may become blameless and harmless. Children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Hallelujah. We shine his lights. Amen. That's part of God's will and pleasure that we shine his glory. As Pastor Tim shared last week, the, the prophet said in Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for your light has come. Glory to God. Amen. And the glory of the Lord will be seen on you. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Now, uh, did I get to verse 16? Yes. Verse 16. Let's follow up there. So let me drop back to 15. That you may become, verse 15, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation of which truly we're in. Amen. Amen. Amen among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Hallelujah. He rejoices. Well, is it Paul writing that or Paul by the Holy Ghost? So the Holy Spirit's really speaking through this vessel to you and I. Amen? Glory. Now, go back to Galatians 5.22. (laughs) Praise God. Let's do this. Follow me a minute in Galatians 5. I'm going to drop back to 16, where Paul's instruction to the church of Galatia. Let me... uh, There is a, uh, we're going to pick that up in one second. I, I'm going to come back here for a minute because I want you to see something that is happening right now with the church in chapter 3, verse 1, before we read this other. In Galatians 3, verse 1, this is Paul, the the apostle and father who had planted this church in the city of Galatia. He says this in ver- chapter 3 of his letter o foolish galatians who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes jesus christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified this only i want to learn from you did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? I believe that's what's going on in the church right now. And as we looked at Matthew Matthew 24 this past week, when Jesus said, the love of many will wax cold, the agape of many will wax cold. Well, how does that happen? There's a bewitching. There's a real spirit of antichrist that hates the anointing. Anti-anointing. Anti-anointed one and his anointing. Amen. So the devil hates us. We can never forget that. We don't have to fear him, but we never we want to develop a keenness in the spirit. We want to develop a such a a oneness with the Holy Ghost, with the Word and the Spirit. We need both. Amen. So his, his rebuke here to the church is, who has bewitched you? You, starting off in the Spirit, have now ended up, you're in the flesh. Amen? Now, come over to Galatians 5, verse 16. In his letter, he goes on, and he's trying to motivate them into the righteousness of Christianity. I say then, walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, antagonistic to one another, the spirit and the flesh, so that you do not do the things that you wish. (laughs) Glory to God. (laughs) I don't feel like going to church. Shut up. Shut up, flesh. Amen. I want to go to St. Mattress and a pillow. Shut up, flesh. <laughs> Come on. Verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And let's look at this. Activities that are not, we were once participants in these in some way, shape, or form. It's for different ones, possibly more than others. It's the list of the deeds of the flesh, the actions and choices of the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, any of those things that we were involved in before we give our life to Christ need to get out of our life. Amen? Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, now here's the good news, through the new birth, this is now resident on the inside. Let me just say this. The deeds of the flesh that he just talked about manifesting through our lives were the result of the condition of our heart before Christ. Amen? Right? It was the nature of the world. Now we have the nature of God in us. So these things are going to be prevalent. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! Glory. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. And against such there is no law. Hallelujah. So how, wh- why Why are you going there, Pastor? Because the fruit of the Spirit is exactly what the world needs to pluck from us. The word fruit in the Greek in, regarding the fruit of the Spirit. The word fruit literally means, this is the definition, pluck. It means plucked. So the fruit of the spirit, all those things listed there, society, our families should be the first benefactors. But the world, wherever we go, that that fruit's available for them to pluck from our life. Amen. Do you know anybody that you need more self-control with? (laughs) Well... When we go to Gethsemane, sometimes it's a Gethsemane thing. Lord, (laughs) my patience is getting thin. (laughs) Come on. Anybody ever been there? Just being honest. (laughs) (laughs) Just drive down 295. (laughs) (laughs) Lord, my patience is really thin with this situation or with this person. I don't feel like being patient. I don't feel like persevering with them. Yet, not my will. Your will be done. <sighs> Patience, long suffering. Hallelujah. I'm going to see it through until you become who God wants you to be. Amen? Whatever. Hey, how about marriages? How about the fruit of the Spirit in one of the most important places in the Christian home? The husband and wife and children. That fruit should be able to be plucked from us if we're Christians. I'm going to repeat them again. Love. Joy, peace, long suffering, that's light. You are the light of the world. All right, let's start with the, the thing again. Love. Love communicates light. Joy communicates light. Peace. Communicates light. Long suffering communicates light. Kindness communicates the light of God. Goodness communicates the light of God. Faithfulness communicates the light of God. Gentleness communicates the light of God. Self-control communicates the presence of the light of God. Amen? He goes on and says this, verse 24, And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Verse 25, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen. So if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. And let his light shine through us. Amen. I'll repeat verse 14 and 15 of Matthew 5. You are the light of the world, church. Everyone's sitting here. Those not sitting here and for the invisible attendees, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lamp stand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Barnes Commentary says, The light of the world often denotes the sun, again, repetitively, a different commentator. Again, it's repeated. The sun renders objects visible, shows their form, their nature, their beauties, and their deformities. Amen. The term light, again, is often referred to religious leaders, especially rabbis. It is preeminently applied to Jesus in these places because he, the sun, is in the moral world, what the sun is in the natural world. So, you and I reflect the light and life of God morally. In a world that is on a highway to hell with their pedal to the metal, there are no morals. Morals are irrelevant. Humanism is if it's good for me, that's good enough. Amen. So in a world that is hell bent. Jesus has put you and I in the church. You know, you, you all I said, think, I think I said this on Sunday. The Bible says that the restraining force before the Antichrist comes on the scene is the Holy Spirit. Who's the Holy Spirit live in? So the restraining force of the Antichrist coming on the scene is the light and life of God being the kingdom flowing through us, being established through us, but his light and his life shining through us to a lost and dying world. Amen. Gracie, would you come up real quick and just share that good news you shared with me today? This is so cool. And if you can, the time frame of when you first started to share with her. Good.
1: Yeah, amen. Um, <coughs> a friend of mine called me today. Um, I haven't been in touch with her in, a f- in about a month. How many years but I've known her um, for the past two years. Okay. And um, we've gotten to be good friends because I worked at the um, same school. Um, I was in the classroom with her and we got to be good friends and she was an aide and I was an aide and, um, her mother, like she's very Catholic and her mother is a charismatic Catholic. And so her mother has always been telling her, you know, about Jesus and telling her about the Holy Spirit and praying over her whenever she's sick or whatever. And, um, And so anyway, she's, her, her mother, she, she called me today and said, you know, you're the closest one that I can think of to my mother. And I'm asking for prayer in my lifestyle. That's what she meant. Um, Yeah, she said, um, my mother has cancer of the esophagus and I'm feeling very angry and hurt and, you know, feeling like, why did this happen? And. And everything. So I, um, I said, you know, well, let me pray with you and pray for your mother. And um, and so I, you know, I came against cancer, and I, um, you know, prayed for healing in her body, and and um, so anyway, I after I prayed with her, I said, I said to her, you know. When you receive Jesus in your heart, then he gives you his authority. Just like your mother prayed prays for you. When you have Christ in your heart, then you'll have the same authority and you'll be able to pray for yourself. You know, you'll be able to pray yourself. And and then I asked her, I said, Have you ever received Jesus as your personal savior? You know? And I said, and I explained to her you know, the Bible talks about how we must be born again. And, um, I explained to her what that was. And, um, and, and I said, would you like to do that? So right on the phone, I led her to the Lord. She prayed with me and, um, she still has a lot of, um, you know, Catholicism in her, but I said, she said, would it, would it take, if I'm born again, does that mean I have to stop going to the Catholic church? And I said, no. I said, um, but, but I said, for me personally, I was raised Catholic and I shared my experience, you know, like after receiving Christ and I saw some things as I'm reading the Bible, how some things didn't line up. Right. And, um, I said, and plus, I just didn't feel like I was getting enough you know from the Catholic Church, like they'd read the liturgy, and you know it's scripture, and that's all good, and I said but but I needed more, you know, I needed more and i and I shared um, I shared even an experience that I had, which probably blew her away because um, it, it had to do with Mary. And, um, so we got on that topic and, but Christ, yeah, but I, I had to, I mean, I spoke the truth in love with her, you know, I told her, I said, well, you know, Mary was a good person, but we're not to worship her. We're not to pray to her. Um, you know, she was chosen to be the virgin, you know, to have, to have Jesus and, but but, as far as praying to people, we 're not to pray to people, we're to pray to God and jesus and um you know, so I shared that with her and um and but she's still very connected with Mary, <laughs> you know, which is fine, My exactly <laughs> we're supposed
2: to help yeah,
1: yeah, exactly so so it was good um. She said, "So you know, I'm not going to undo being born again if I go to the Catholic Church." I said, "No." He, I said, "The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, um, you know, and he'll he'll teach you, he'll guide you, um, and yeah, I mean, you know." She still called me back, and
0: and I helped Grace a little <laughs> bit in this regard. I said, "Now, Gracie, what are you going to do with the fish, with the soul that?" God privileged you to lead to the Lord. I said, now it's time to gently make yourself available to her once a week, if she is able to do it, to sit with her and put the word in her. Right? Yep. God will clean the fish, but he needs stuff to work with to clean them. Mm-hmm. But that is so cool. Obviously, she called up and said, I led this, led this woman to the Lord. I said, hallelujah. But the, look at the time frame. for In this case. Two years previous, but and this isn't to exalt grace, but the work of grace in Grace's life and his light shining, that she had a, a point of reference, that when her mom is suffering, that she can, the Holy Spirit reminded her and even gave her that image that Grace was like her mom, so she had somebody else to go to. Amen. Praise God! I hope, Pastor, you have anything you want to add.
3: Um, Pastor's saying that 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 word, and I'm going to just use it, plucked. um, You know, sometimes when we hear that word, plucked, uh, yeah, how do people benefit? We we're talking about the fruit of the spirit. How do people when they pluck when it's plucked what do they do with it uh, we we uh, we have to like come really think about this and understand is that the fruit of the spirit is the evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives concerning who Christ is in us amen and that's what we're doing is we're, as we read the word and as we're, you know, allowing that relationship with Christ and with, with our heavenly father to dwell in us, to work in us, God's character, God's fruit begins to change us on the inside. So what's seen is the evidence of the work of God in our hearts. Amen. Amen. So how's that benefit somebody if they're able to pluck what they're doing is they're plucking or they're able to see. Taste and see the work, the evidence of the work of the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. Yes. How's that benefit them? Because what it does is it draws them to the work of God, yes. Amen, That's and true. to the work of Christ. Amen. Our the, the fruit that is plucked from us is a perfect opportunity to share what Christ has done, Amen. Because that's what's happening. It's Christ being plucked through us, right? So it's the work of God, the evidence of the working of God on the inside of us. It should always draw people back to the work of Christ, back to who Jesus is. Why is there, you know, all these nine fruit that we read here, that should be a drawing point to the, who Christ is. Amen? Amen? Love, joy, peace, all these things long suffering, all these things that that should be the work of Christ. How do we then turn that into helping somebody to understand the the way that I'm, the way that grace is able to use this example, right? The, the woman's mother reflected the working of Christ in her life. She, there was noted, she was able to see it. It was able to be seen. The fruit on the tree was able to be seen, Right. She was able to see the the kindness, the care, the love that comes in that care for praying for her, for, you know, sharing Christ with her, or however that relationship was. She saw something different in her mother, right? And there was something notable that, you know, that stood out because now she's in a crisis of my mother now is in this place. There's something happening with mom, and now I don't know who to turn to except for the working of Christ that I saw mom trigger Holy Spirit on the inside relate to Gracie, right? Why? Because there's fruit. There's evidence. She re- now is drawn to what she's seen in her mother, the fruit, <laughs> the working of Christ, right? So now there's a drawing that the Holy Spirit does in drawing the sinner to that taste to see that saltiness, that, that flavor fruits, good, right? Generally we think of fruit as being tasteful, good, good to the body, good to taste, good to eat, right? It's something that stands out to somebody that, wow, that's something that's really good. Deep down inside of all that, that, that place on the inside of us. Generally, most of us, all, all, I want to say all of us, God has created on the inside the knowing of good and evil, moral values, right? How we live and how we work is we either go towards the, you know, drawing towards evil or we go towards good, right? God's good, amen? But there's a knowing on the inside and when somebody sees good, when they see true evidence, genuine good in somebody, love, patience, whatever it is, that draws people. They see it, They note it. Now it should be a clear uh, explanation of who Christ is. This is why. This is what you see. This is why I, what you see in me. It's not me because I want, I want complete opposite. But Christ in me has shaped me and helped me to become this. Amen. And that's that's the plucked. That's that plucked that benefits on allowing the Holy Ghost now to move in, to touch somebody's life, drawing them in, reeling them into who Christ is. Amen. Amen. Pastor.
0: Well, I gonna, I, that just stirred me a little bit. Do you remember I shared two weeks ago about my cousin who was instrumental in leading me to Christ it was in the past few weeks? from rock and roller and bill billy yeah you know, he was like a brother but his life in, in the world he was only 22 but his life was shaped in a way where music was also his god and he was had that element of pride and conceit because he was so good in the music arena and uh the Billy I knew was literally had transformed, and so had I. I gotten, you know, darker, but he had transformed where there he once was this kind of like happy go lucky guy. Now, because the music industry can be really hostile <laughs> and doggy dog, but when he got saved in January of '74, it was a three month time period. And you're saying that, and I'm thinking, my god, that's what I did. I plucked the fruit off of him, the love, the. The kindness, the peace, the joy he had, those things were infectious. And they were the fruit I needed to eat at that time to the place where I was convinced over a three-month period that not only whatever he had, I found out it was who he had I needed, you know. And that pushed me over the edge, that and some other things. But that I plucked the fruit. That was well said. Praise God. Anybody else? Becky? Quick thought.
2: Uh, Unplucked. We're talking about plucked. And when I first heard that, I think a lot of us might think, "Ouch!" You know, somebody <laughs> said plucking a turkey. Um, someone else, you know, pluck your eyebrows. Something, and it's jerking it out, and you think of the, the, part, the thing being plucked is squealing and hurting. But um, so at first my thought is, "Ooh, that's a harsh term." But then I'm thinking about it with the fruit. When you go to pick really ripe fruit, it just falls in your hand. I used to pick fruit in orchards for a, as a part-time job in the summer. And uh, the fruit that's left on the tree and it's fully ripe, you barely touch it and it falls off. Berries, strawberries, you can't, you know, there's no pulling and tugging. There's not a plant there screaming, don't take me, that." Uh, it's it is it falls off, and I'm the Holy Spirit's mulling this over inside of me, and I'm thinking, if we are full of the Holy Spirit and we understand who we are in Christ, then when we need that fruit to be evident to other people, it should just be real easy to just fall on them. <laughs> they see it, they need it, and it just drops on them. That's good. And uh, there should there's when. Our fruit is in full form. The fruit of the Spirit is really working in us. It should fall on people. There's no tugging. If it's not ripe yet and it's a struggle for them to get it from us, then we need to work on ourselves and see more who we are in Christ and build that knowledge up so that our fruit is ready to just drop on people.
3: That's
0: good. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God! That is—that's a great uh, crescendo to the evening. Amen. That help anybody in here? Let's stand and pray. Pastor, you can close this.
3: Hallelujah, Father, we thank you for this evening and we thank you for the word that we.